right here in the Fountain City, we have one of the greatest minds in golf. That's right. Somebody that's making a huge impact in the game all over the world, right here in Columbus. When the final buzzer sounds, the game is over, but their story isn't. Time to hang out on the sidelines and learn the real stories of these sports icons. Welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team. What's going on, everybody? I'm Sports Director Rex Castillo. And I'm Weekend Sports Anchor Jack Patterson, welcoming you to another edition of the On Your Sidelines podcast from the News 3 Sports Team. Hey, before we get into our, uh, our conversation with our guests, of course, it's time for that T-shirt check. I am rocking the Northside Patriots, a Shaw grad in Jack Patterson. Will we ever see you wear these colors, Jack? Nah, homie, it's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, it's against the rules. Like, you know, I love all our teams, but it's against the rules for me to wear the chief rival of the Raiders now. So who are you rocking? I am rocking. This is a special one, Rex. This is game-worn, authentic, <laughs> from my senior season playing tennis at Shaw, uh, two th- spring of 2010. This was the year. This is our second year that we went to the state playoffs. We were fourth in region uh, two AAA. So this one holds special significance for me. It's the alternate jerseys. We Our regular ones were white. This is the alternate blacks. So a game-worn jersey now. Jack has taken the, the T-shirt check to a whole new level. But Top uh, that. <laughs> one team we can always root for is Columbus State, especially the golf program. We now bring in the director of golf, Mark Immelman. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. I, I, um, I wish I'd known I would have worn my CSU T-shirt, but I got a, just enough blue in here to make CSU kind of work, maybe, and also support <laughs> Brookstone a little bit. So I, I'm also I'm a Cougar two ways. I'm a Cougar at Columbus State and a good and a Brookstone Cougar supporter as well. All right, we can make it work. Mm-hmm. I think it works, Rex. I think uh, it works. Well, he's obviously the pro here on us for not letting him know about the T-shirt check. Exactly. But again, when we have a guy like Mark Immelman, we obviously want to dive into golf, uh, Coach. So we have to first ask, what made you fall in love? with the game of golf i'm honestly ricky it's uh, coming from south africa we're just an outdoorsy nation and i'm not the biggest guy in the world and we played you know rugby and cricket and tennis and and you basically play everything and a really bad rugby injury had me break my arm and <clears throat> you know at age 13 then my coach went to my parents because i had to basically have surgery he's like uh, your kid's too small to play and so uh, by happenstance, that got me into a game of golf a, a few months later after the arm had healed, and, and the proverbial bug bit me, and that was back in 1983. And now many, many years later, I'm, I'm, I'm fully invested in golf, and I get to talk about a game, I get to teach a game, I get to, to coach young kids at a fantastic university. So golf's been good, um, but, but I, I fell into the sport. I, I, I had plans to do something else, to be honest with you. So what kind of inspired you? Like, what kind of, like, you know, you know, you know, put you in awe of the game as a kid? You know, what was it that, you know, kind of drew you to the game? You know what? That's a really good question. Um, Jack, I, I would probably say that the fact that in golf, it's on you. Um, you know, you've got your hands on the rubber end of the golf club. You don't have teammates. You know, sometimes you'll play on teams, but you still play your own golf ball. So, it's on you and the work you put in uh, is what you're likely to get out. I love the fact that golf takes you to cool places. I love the fact that golf, um, wherever you go, the uh, the court, the field, whatever you want to call it, is a different size. And and um, so there's there are just so many variables to it. But I would say the main thing was it was just a cool game, and and I had my destiny in my own hands, and that's what I've always enjoyed. Well, Coach, playing golf, I'm sure, obviously, your brother Trevor, was there ever a point in life where, like, you guys were really competitive and then you got to a point where it's like, okay, he's just really, really good? 
Well, he's always been good. Um, I'm nine years, about nine and a half years older than him. So um, when I was in All-America and we had won a national championship or two at Columbus States, I went back home. And at that stage, I think I was like 20-ish, 21 or so. And and he was probably just early teens and he was getting really good and had won the World Junior Championship. And and right then, me being in All-America winning tournaments and stuff and and you know, having to work real hard to beat my 13-year-old brother or 12 <laughs> or whatever he was, you know, that kind of put things into perspective for me. And I realized, hold on, if my goal is to be the best golfer in the world, I'm struggling to beat someone in my household. That's going to be really hard. So uh, <laughs> it brought a healthy dose of perspective, I guess. And and so I've always been big brother, you know, oftentimes coach, um, colleague, whatever you want to call it. So, no, he, he's just, he was one of those talents, um, not to say that I wasn't good enough, but, but Trevor's always been special. Gotcha. So, you know, it's, especially as you were growing up in South Africa, you know, which golfer kind of inspired you? Who was your favorite golfer growing up? Well, to be honest, um, I would probably say, because over there we got limited television coverage of golf back then when I was growing up, and this was a teenager, I was early 80s, really. And so... I got to see guys like Greg Norman and Seve Ballesteros. And so it was those sorts of guys that played in the European tour. And then, you know, once I got over to college here, you know, my horizons broadened a little bit. And and coming to Columbus, um, you know, and learning about Bobby Jones, uh, just a gem of a man from the state of Georgia, lived in Atlanta, won the Grand Slam, just was a statesman and a, and very well-educated. Bob Jones has become my hero. But I've been thankful to meet people like Gary Player and have him as a mentor. He's a Hall of Fame legend, Grand Slam winner, and then Nick Price. And so there's so many, uh, so many South African guys, Ernie Els, who's been a friend, and we've competed against each other. So I've been thankful and fortunate to meet all these uh, stars. And so I would say a lot of folks have had an influence, but probably the biggest has been uh, Gary Player and, and Bob Jones by reading books. I would say I never got to meet Mr. Jones, to be, um, which was... Saddening, but anyway, and great otherwise. That's a Hall of Fame group right there, Jack. <laughs> I mean, my Absolutely. goodness. Um, well, it's like, it's like I say, I mean, the, this game that I'm fortunate to be in, you know, not only not everyone gets to live a charmed life like I've been fortunate to live, but golf has exposed me to some incredible people, and golf has taken me to some wonderful places. And, and golf, honestly, is the reason why my family and I get to be American citizens now and live in wow. Columbus and and, and get to be a part of the Columbus State family and that sort of thing. So it's been good to us, you know. Speaking about the Columbus State family, obviously not only playing there, but being the director of golf, what's it like teaching the game to this generation of players? Um, thrilling. <laughs> Kids, young golfers are just coming out more and more athletic, uh, more and more fearless. Um, information uh, at the coach's disposal and at, inst- at instructor's disposal is just so much more complete and so kids are well developed and they're arriving here and and they're just so good and shooting scores that you know I wouldn't have fathomed you know way back when I took the job back in 2001 and so it's it's thrilling to work with these talents with these athletes and it's also thrilling to have the sort of place that we do that we can attract this kind of talent and we can have people playing for us that are you know realistically guys that can play on powerhouse division one programs so it's a great thrill, um, and it's neat for me to be able to bring talent into town, and it's also then neat that throughout my career since 2001, a number of the guys and girls, in fact, have stayed around. So uh, we're kind of making a bit of an impression in the community, which is, which is also cool. 
So one thing about the CSU golf program is that crown jewel that's over on University Avenue, the Key Golf Studio. Yeah. You you know you had a big role in you know leading that direction. You know how big is it for a Division two program to be able to have you know such a state of the art golf you know facility to be able to practice and train at? Jack, it's it's unfathomable. Um, you know it's thanks to Mr. Key and his family. And thanks to all the support he's given us through the years, and and he he gave a he's given a lot. But he came to me with a seed donation one day, and and he it sort of had his wishes about it. And I'd always had a dream because when I played golf at Columbus State, I was a foreign kid who didn't have transport. So getting out to Bill Creek Golf Course was always hard, and I was reliant on other people. And so I always had a dream to try and move practice closer to campus for folks who didn't have cars or didn't have transport and such. And so I pitched the idea to him and he listened and he didn't give it his blessing right away. And um, eventually I, I talked him through it and he looked at me and he said, okay, then we're going to do it right. And he said, I want to make sure that whatever it achieves, it helps you to recruit. And I was like, I'm convinced it will. And so he gave it the blessing and we went ahead. And thankfully back then, um, Dr. Tim Mescon was the, uh, was the president at Columbus State he was all into the idea. We had a number of folks from the community who got behind it, both with you know help and prayer and funds and stuff. And and eventually, yeah, we are. Um, I don't know how many years later it is, but it's very cool for me, you know, to be a part of it, the thing, and to sort of have been there at the outset. And now, when I get to fly out of Columbus Airport, and you take off, and you can see that big, that big fence that rises over the horizon there of the trees. It, yeah. It's always neat when I fly back into town. You see it then. You're like, you know what? Maybe we did leave a little bit of a footprint here. <laughs> kind of sort of that. You, you can't miss it when you're driving by on <laughs> University Avenue. It is majestic over there. It really. It, it's cool. Um, it's. I, I, I pinch myself when I get to go to work um, <laughs> because it's the kind of place, to your point, that Division One programs have and it's separated us and we've managed to bring in some good kids because of it. And we've been able to um, develop good kids because of it. And then further to that, you know, between my colleagues, Lisa and myself and former coaches I've had, we're teaching lots of people from the community um, and most notably junior golfers. So I feel like there's a bit of a groundswell on the go and we're helping to develop future golfers, not just for us, but certainly for the community and for the programs and the like. And it's, it's neat to see golf growing now, and it's neat to see a number of the kids coming by there for lessons and, and, and to practice with the coaches. And you, you just mentioned it about how the golf community in Columbus is starting to grow and get bigger, you know, year by year. You know, mm -hmm. do you think that is something that is just kind of a more – this is the trend going, going forward that we're going to have, you know, that the golf community here is just going to – keep growing and keep getting bigger. You know, we already have some good programs. I know Brookstone is one of the better yeah. programs in the state along with Columbus, uh, Columbus high school. I, I hope so. Um, you know, back in the day when I came here to college, Hardaway high school was a powerhouse. I mean, these guys won state championships all of the time and they produced multiple um, amateur winners, state amateur winners and the like. And then the game sort of tapered off a little bit and it became, I wouldn't say country club, but that would be a, a, a a fair description, I guess. And, and, and now with Bull Creek and with Oxbow Meadows and, and Godwin Creek and, 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 and some of the clubs around town are, are, are being very accommodating of junior golfers, I see the game starting to grow again because 
the one good thing I think that came out of this pandemic was golf was possible. And so folks played golf and so golf grew. And now, you know, moms and dads would go out during the lockdown and kids would go along and now, you know, the kids get into the thing and that's how the game's going to grow. So it's growing globally. It's certainly growing in the United States. And I hope that it will continue to grow here in Columbus, Georgia, because I've always said, and that's, this is our pitch, the idea for the golf facility to a number of the folks from town. I was like, why not Columbus? Uh, I was like, why do people have to go to Sea Island for good golf lessons? You know, why do people have to go to Lake Oconee for club fitting or, or, or something like that? I'm like, we can do it. We've got good weather. We're very accessible. We're close to Atlanta. There's so many things that are playing in our favor. And, and Columbus has a very rich golf history. So it's, it's nice to sort of see this thing, you know, trending in the right direction, I guess. Really is a hidden gem here in Georgia. I mean, I, kind of being a sports director here, I've noticed that all the talent here, especially at the CSU golf course and the program. But, Coach, for you, what's it like for you when you are developing a player and you just see something click where you've been trying to teach them this concept and all of a sudden they get it and they take their game to the next level? <laughs> uh, Ricky, I guess it's relieving. <laughs> Relief is obviously a big deal, you know, for a coach. You guys know what it's like. And <laughs> you deal with so many coaches and mentors and stuff and – a coach works, coaches work hard, men and ladies, and they, they have grand aspirations for teams and individuals. And, and oftentimes your message is only as good as what it's received. So when you get to work with a player and something clicks, um, it's, there's relief. Um, there's also a certain sense of, um, it gives you a jolt of confidence, I guess, because then your, uh, your, your belief system and your philosophy and, and, and what you sort of aspire to and what you, um, what you communicate has proved worthwhile and correct. So there are many emotions that go through it. Um, and I'm certainly not numb to that sort of stuff, even though I've been teaching golf since 1996, because still to this day, whether it's some elite player at the highest level or some beginning golfer, you know, watching someone achieve their goals or shoot their best score or, or whatever it might be, it's, it's thrilling. But on the other side of the coin, it's, it's, it's tough sledding when things aren't going right. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what keeps us and keeps our nose to the grindstone a lot. I totally understand that. I can be stubborn, so I totally get that. I've, I've given my <laughs> coaches plenty of gray hairs. Go ahead, Jack. You're giving me gray hairs too, right? That's also fair. But, uh, Coach, is there anybody that you've coached that, you know, when you just, you know, you see them out there on a the course, you just know that, you know, this is somebody who has a chance to, you know, be be a major player, you know, can make it onto the tour, you know, mm -hmm male or female, you know, is there anybody that's just, you knew they had it? Yeah. Well, back in the day, I've, I've taught a few guys that have won major championships, you know, way back now I'm dating myself a little bit. So yeah, I've seen players. Um, obviously my brother close to home was one. Um, and then there's been a few South African guys I've worked with where you just see, it might not be the physical gift, but it's just the overall package. And oftentimes it's like an indescribable, um, immeasurable thing that they have. It might be the mental attitude. It might be the work ethic. It might just be the culmination of everything. So I've been around it, thankfully. Um, year of late on our teams, we've had some pretty special talents. Uh, this year, we've got two. Um, uh, two guys jump out to me, um, and perhaps a third even. But, but Jordan Duell and Ronan Clue, are, they've, they've got the goods, and um, not just physically, but mentally too. And then there's another young man called Preston Wagerman that's massively talented. He's got the, the gift, if you will, but he's, he's learning his craft. And I feel like if he sticks to it and he makes the necessary sacrifice and the investment, 
you know, you could probably do special things too. But the reality of it is nowadays that, you know, all the talent in the world and all the hard work in the world with our league and the PGA Tour and the world's game, it's just so small right now that getting in there, it's like the major leagues. You've got to be the very best of the best. So um, oftentimes there's fortune, there's fortune and a good break or two involved. But thankfully, I've, I've, I've been around these people and I've gotten to experience their talent and uh, I've gotten to see the best, the best of the very best. I mean, what I do as an on-course announcer, I'm, I'm mixing it up with, with the very best golfers in the world week in and week out. And, and it's, it's, it's mind-numbing at times to see how talented these people really are. I think that was a perfect transition as well. Uh, you as a, C, as a director of golf at CSU, we see your passion for mm-hmm. for golf to help develop the game but is there are there moments too where you have to pinch yourself like i get to see this and actually comment on what's going on on the pga tour and all these events going on seeing the world's best compete in day in and day out uh yeah daily <laughs> <laughs> um yeah certainly it's it's what's it's everything that's great about the united states to me you know my wife tracy and i moved over here with dreams of a future and and you know you come to america and you can achieve anything you set your mind to if you're prepared to do the work and um that's why we moved here, and thankfully, it's all transpired well. Um, and to be where I am right now uh, is is serendipitous, and it's farther than I think even my dreams went in my head. And and I do I, I, I catch myself almost daily, weekly, when I'm at major championships or when I'm at PGA Tour events, and I've got calling the final group or whatever the case might be, and you're walking down the final fairway and. And you got the winner in front of you, and it's it's, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I scrolled through my phone the other day. I had to find something for someone, and I had images of me interviewing Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson. It was basically the top ten golfers in the world, and uh, I was like, "Well, um, you know, you, it, it sort of happens, and you take it in stride." But if you look back and you just consider for a while, I'm like, "Holy cow, this is kind of crazy," you know. Jack, I don't think wow. this man's worked a day in his life, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know what they say. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, man. And I, I totally that, – that's just incredible. You guys get it, man. I, I get to talk for a living. That's really what I do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> and isn't it cool that we get to do that sort of job? You know, it's, I think if I was smarter, I would have had a real job at like an Aflac or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? I think we're in the same position. My dad yeah. definitely wanted me to be like some kind of real job, like an engineer or something. Like that. Numbers and me never got along. So we get to do this now. Get to talk to awesome people like Coach Gentleman here. Exactly. Jack. Exactly. Yes, I'm yes, right. Yes, th- I'm yes, right yes. there with both of you guys. <laughs> I would have been over at Aflac or being a, uh, an attorney or a lawyer or a doctor or something. Right. Something adult. Exactly. Quick, but we get to talk story. about sports for a living. And I, good lord, do I love it. So well, here's uh, a quick funny story. My uh, my wife Tracy, her mom. Uh, her dad was a very good player. Her uncle actually was a professional golfer too. So there's golf in both sides of our family. Right on. And nice. her mom um, said to her, apparently, she goes, whatever you do, never marry a golf professional or someone who's in golf. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry? Not uh-huh. sorry. I'm glad it worked out for you, though. That, that's amazing. But hey man, yeah. I, I reached I reached way above the rim, and thankfully my mother-in-law likes me right now. <laughs> Fingers crossed that it keeps but on I going, right? I, if it's a good streak, yes. just don't talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. I think she had designs on a lawyer or a doctor or something for her daughter, but she got a golf professional. Can you believe it? It seems like they always have that kind of desire, and then all of a sudden they end up with guys like us. I don't know. I don't know. But how it worked happens. though. It, it worked, worked though. It actually it worked. worked. So you I'm know. Happy for me. <laughs> uh, Jack, go ahead, man. Yeah, so, you know, speaking about you know 
the two things that you get to do for a living coach, what's the difference between teaching the game and then covering the game for a broad audience? You know, the biggest difference really for me is that I get to switch a broadcast off. Like when you guys get done, I'm sure you, you, you go and do your research afterwards and you do your research for, before the show, but when the light switch is on, you're on, and when the light switch is off, you're off. Um, when you're teaching or whether you're coaching, whether it's a college golfer or a professional guy on the tour or lady or whatever, you know, they're never really off. Which is likely in golf because it's so mercurial. And so you're on their time a bunch. So I would say that's the biggest difference in terms of the similarities. It's both jobs to me are about communication and both jobs are about, you know, painting pictures for an individual really and, and, and finding an individual's currency or, or communicating in a way that settles with them. So, so there's, there, there's some similarities and there's certain, certainly some differences. And I'll tell you the one thing about broadcast is, to, to switch it off at the end of the day is kind of refreshing. <laughs> and, yes, um, totally. To go, totally well, I'm done it. until tomorrow. That that's not a bad deal at times, you know. One hundred percent can agree with that and know how that feels, uh, mm. Rex. So, Coach, um, what has been one of your favorite memories, other than your brother winning? That's kind of the qualifier <laughs> yeah. when it when it comes to golf. Oh, you know, I guess I must just respond to what popped to mind. <clears throat> Back in 2005, mm. I believe it was, um, Jack Nicholas was playing his final Open Championship at the old course at St. Andrews. And Tiger, incidentally, won that year too. Um, and he completed the Grand Slam, I think it was. Right. And we were over there, and St. Andrews is one of the most quaint towns in the world, and it's the home of golf. And to be there for Jack's retirement, and my wife and one of my best friends, uh, I'd done my work, I was there teaching, and we went back to the little apartment we'd rented and we were uh, watching it on TV. And my wife and my friend convinced me, they're like, dude, what are you doing? I mean, the golf course is like a mile and a half away. Let's go watch the final <laughs> hole. And I was like, uh, no, I've had enough of the course. Um, I'm going to see more on TV. And they're like, you're crazy. Jack's retiring. And so we walked over there and the 18th and the first holes at the old course travel side by side in right. opposite directions. And it's a huge expense of ground. And so we went to the left, the right side of the first which was the left side of the 18th. And we find some room along the stanchions there. And um, first things first, Jack comes through there. He stands on the Swilkin Bridge and says his farewells. And then he birdies the last hole of his Open Championship career, which was nuts. I mean, the crowd went absolutely wow. bananas. of course. And then the very next group was Tiger, who was leading. And Tiger gets on the tee there, and it's a wild snap hook off the tee. And I see this ball airborne, and it's coming at us. And um, there's like a metal railing we're against and the ball hits the ground and starts running and it finishes like between my wife and I. And we what? can't go back because it's 20 feet deep, 20 people deep, right? And so Tiger shows up there and he's sort of leaning against this fence like this to have a look at the shot making practice swings that nearly was sort of grazing my wife in the cheek. Oh and so we got a close up on a guy who was about to complete the Grand Slam. So it was just crazy. The, 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 the confluence of things, you know, with Jack getting done, Tiger doing this, Old course at St Andrews. It was it was sort of surreal to be there, uh, and and so jumps. It's top of mind, I guess, now that you ask. So that one stands out. Man, that's that's incredible to see the passing <laughs> of the torch just like that. I'm glad they got you off the couch, man. That that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Can, you imagine, can you imagine that? If there's me lying on the couch, I would watch that on TV and miss the whole thing. And, and I remember standing there when there was this railing in front of us, and so we had to lean back. Tiger had just enough room to sort of make a practice swing. Right. 
and then he would get behind the ball to have a look where he was aiming. And when he did that and he leaned against the fence, he actually had his head between Tracy's and mine. <laughs> so oh, quite tiny, yeah. <laughs> and Tracy was there. And I remember looking at this guy going, this is the sexiest human being in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hits the shot. I was like, I was starstruck then, you know. Oh and then gosh. since then, I've been able to get to know the guy, which is crazy too. So, so the whole story has got an, it's got a happy ending. Have you ever told Tiger that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hadn't told him he's sexy. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Jack, transition out of that one. Have fun, buddy. Okay. Good luck, right? <laughs> so, one thing that's always been curious with me, especially you know how worldwide the game of the go- game of golf is, is what is the difference between playing in South Africa than it is playing in the states? Um, there's just more in America. Uh, folks have got access to more golf courses, more clubs, more equipment better facilities in South Africa. For, um, it's just harder to come by those sorts of things. And the game is infinitely more expensive. Um, so that's the major difference in terms of the golf course, um, building into that more concept. Courses are not necessarily bigger, but they've got better practice areas and better greens and sort of better, better irrigation. So oftentimes the conditions are better than what they are back in South Africa. But that's not to say that they aren't good golf courses and the like over there. But but a lot of it has to do with the fact that in America, you've got the best of the very best most times. And so I'd say that would be the biggest um, change. And then, of course, it's weather. You know, living in the southeast, you're either cold or you're sweating because it's 100 <laughs> and humid. Where I'm from is sort of coastal and quite breezy. So it's, it's very Mediterranean where I'm from. So kind of like California, I guess. So from my neck of the woods, the, the climate is different, but, you know, it's America, you have access to a whole lot more. And that's why it is the best place for, for, for any competitive golfer who's got aspirations of the highest ideals, certainly to be here. Coach, and kind of bouncing off that, um, I love that Jack brought that up. It is such an international game. What is it like when you go to these events and you get to meet people and you get to coach players from all over the world? Every, it, basically, the world comes together on a golf course. How special is that kind of mm. environment? It is, you know, in a funny sort of a way, it shows that we're all the same. And, and, and golf is, is the bond that we have, you know, whether I'm from China or South Africa or Columbus, Georgia, you know, golf is the bond. And, and I've seen that so much in sport around the world. Um, back in 1995 with Rugby World Cup, which was held in South Africa, right. and South Africa won, it was a huge unifying sort of a movement. And it was it was what created what they called the rainbow nation over there, where all of the different um, races of folks came together behind the national team. And it was a huge unifier. And so to get to go to events and you see all the different countries flags and, and you get weird sounding names and different languages and accents like mine and stuff, yet (laughs) everyone communicates the same. It's kind of cool. I mean, I talked, um, it reminds me of a story with Adam Scott many moons ago, at the President's Cup um, in Muirfield Village in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, he was playing on the International President's Cup team, and Hideki Matsuyama was a young player from Japan at the moment, and Hideki barely spoke a word of English. And Adam and Hideki were paired together. Mm-hmm. And so I said to Adam, what's it like? And he goes, dude, I, all I say to the guy is good shot, and he understands good shots. And then we high-five and stuff like that, and, and golf... <laughs> sort of built the bond and now they're best of buds and and they still play as teammates together on that president's cup team so golf unified and and that's the cool thing about what i get to see at some of these global events 
And to kind of stay on that track, you know, it's such a universal game. You know, it's a game that, you know, especially you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier that, you know, it's trying to become more accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, especially after, you know, the last year of the pandemic and it's kind of increased participation, you know, would, you know, especially for the, what advice would you have for somebody just, you know, trying to get their feet wet in the game of golf? Well, I would, my first advice is to go to all the authorities and the organizers and say, let's continue to try and make it more accessible for everybody. Um, golf is largely, it's a disposable income sport because equipment is expensive. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to get people together to, you know, raise money and, and, and make donations so we can get equipment for folks and support Godwin Creek, which I think is a tremendous initiative. And the folks there, Stephanie and Richard Callahan at uh, Godwin who run four kids, they're doing tremendous work. Um, so I would say let's, you know, the folks, whoever's listening to this, watching this, let's continue to, to invest in junior golf around the place. And, and not just the folks from the country clubs. You never know where you're going to find the next great talent. And if not even that, golf is such a great way to learn because, like I say, I've gotten – my dad always said to me, he goes, your talent will take will put you in front of kings and statespeople. And they're not kings, but, you know, I've, I've been around a lot of heavy-hitting, influential people. And, you know, there's nothing better than that for someone – you know, who might come from the inner city or whatever to get on a golf course, meet someone cool, who knows what sort of doors that unlocks. Right. And for that individual, I would say hook up with the folks at Four Kids. They're doing great work there um, at Godwin Creek. You can get there. It's in Bibb City. It's a fun little place. They've got lessons over there. They've got clubs you can use. Go and get involved, man. It's you, you just got to dip your toe into it. You don't have to be good because everyone starts somewhere. And it's a great place to learn. And I can tell you, there's a lot of talented young um, kids from Columbus that began their journey there, whether they were from um, the north side of town or the south side of town. You know, golf is golf. Uh, I, I don't care who you are. And, uh, and just go and dive in, go and get yourself involved. And, and the folks over there at Godwin Creek will help you out of that, I'm convinced. That's really awesome, Coach. And I, I think to touch on what Jack had just mentioned, I think you mentioned also earlier before, golf is one of those sports that found its way to grow. Because, again, in the world of socially distanced sports and stuff like that, golf gives you the opportunity to kind of be a – you're not on a, a compact court. You're not on a field mm-hmm. packed in with other people. For yeah. you to see kind of an uptick in golf, was that exciting for you in a world where we needed something to positive to look for? It really was. Um not just for human well-being, but just for a sense of normalcy. You know, I remember folks being locked down and and people sort of making do and you know Zoom phone calls and this sort of thing and 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 to get out eventually and get on a golf course because you could. Um, I, I, I saw it, and from my point of view, it appeared to be like um, like a rest stop for people. It was a place where they could just kind of get away from all of the stuff. And so it was refreshing for me and heartening for me to see folks gravitating towards it. I love the game and it's, and the games love me right back. And I'm certain it'll do some that for most folks who take it up. So from that point of view, it's been nice. Um, and then to also been involved with the, uh, the first broadcast back on the PGA tour at colonial last um, June, whenever it was, that was wild, you know, to be on a, a show where, you know, it's the first sports league back, you know, globally after the pandemic was was crazy and it was a, a thrill of a lifetime. And so it's been neat to see golf 
which is always sort of been like the stepbrother, I guess, compared to football and basketball and baseball <laughs> and the like. It was nice to see golf take the take the front seat because it could. But but the folks at the PGA Tour and the folks in the broadcast industry, they, they took the bull by the horns and like, we're going to make this happen. And so it's a great sport. It's an awesome way to get involved. And as I say, for anyone listening to this, it's a great way just to you know, grow up. You're going to learn a whole lot on the golf course, even if you don't hit good golf shots. Absolutely. And I remember, you know, you know, just this time last year, you know, I talked to you right before uh, Colonial, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, the PGA Tour is just getting ready to get back, you know, get back on track and everything. And, you know, just everything that was going on during that time period. So thankful for you taking your time out then and that and of course now. Uh my next question for you, more details about Columbus. You know, how does a guy from South Africa find his way <laughs> to Columbus, Georgia? Great question. It's miraculous, really. Um, <laughs> my, my life has been touched by God. Um, no, that's all jokes aside, and I'm not joking, really. It's I met a guy called Hugh Royer, who was an All-American at Columbus State. His dad, Hugh Royer Jr., was the professional at Bull Creek for the longest time, and I met Hugh in South Africa. He was playing uh, a professional golf over there and we met and I caddied for him for a while. Um, and um, he, he saw me play and he's like, what are you doing caddying? And I was like, well, I don't know what else to do. I'm stuck in South Africa kind of thing. And he goes, well, why don't you go to college? And I was like, how do you do that? Oh, yeah. And so, so he called up his dad who called up a Dr. Earl Bagley, who is still a mentor of mine. He was the coach at Columbus College back then. And they talked to my parents back in 1990 and the next thing i was over here on golf scholarship in 1991 and um we were successful when a few national championships that team we had was we were good and, um, yeah and and it was sort of the it was the, the, the catalyst that that's what set it all off and then i went abroad and i was teaching golf around the place in europe and then dr bagley called me up and he goes hey uh, the job as golf coach at columbus state's going and i was like well that's awesome but things are kind of going good over here. And he said, well, come back, come check it out, come interview. And um, you'll probably be able to teach some golf on the side too. And so my wife and I talked about it. Well, then my then fiance, Tracy, and we came over and I interviewed and, and we saw it as a way to get into the United States because it's not as easy as the news makes it sound. Sure. And um, so I interviewed, thankfully got the job, coached at Columbus State, didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Built the team up. The team was successful for a while. We had a few close calls at national championships, and the whole thing just kind of flowed from there. So that's how I ended up in Columbus, and heck, man, I'm still here. I'm, I'm a Georgia boy, can't you tell? Oh, man. Totally from the accent. Totally One, from the accent. 100% can tell. Uh-huh. Speaking about South African excellence, uh, well, for to watch the game again, as a teacher and then as an analyst is, is a different kind of hat, but to see your family, your brother, win, it, win the Masters, what was that like? For you and your family, it was moving. Um, we did a show this morning where they played a vignette back um, of his victory back in two thousand and eight, and they prepped me for this. They like we know you're an emotional sort, and so they said you just cap it at the end with your thoughts. And I'm watching this, and I'm in behind my eyes. I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry. And uh, we come back, and my host looks at me, and she goes what a tremendous memory or something like that. I can't even remember. And the next thing, I can feel tears streaming down my face here because it's still so moving. Mm-hmm. Because as young kids in South Africa, 
you know, watching TV and seeing the Masters was like beyond your wildest dreams. Then getting to come here and getting to go to Augusta National was like, whoa, I've, I've hit the jackpot kind of thing. Then next thing, to have your younger brother qualified just to play in the event. I mean, like now we're in, in uncharted territory. Then the next thing to have him win and you, his coach, was like off the charts. And I, to, to this day still, I, I can't, it's surreal. I, uh, I think back on it fondly. Um, it's, it's something that I, I still, back, it happened back in 2008. I still don't really think it's settled, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I come back here and I see my brother and I see the champion's locker room and I see him in his green jacket. And this is all very cool, but I still sort of have to pinch myself a little bit because the masters to both of us was just always, you know, cut above the rest. Yeah. And so, um, you know, being back here now and being in Augusta and it, it's all sort of kind of nuts. <laughs> and and it's another pinching myself moment. I have a lot of these things apparently. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I would think so. I mean, he's in the right career for it, right, Jack? Yeah. I mean, to be able to, in su such a, just a in, incredible sport like golf and such an amazing, you know, place as Augusta National is, man, I can only imagine to see your family, you know, being able to triumph on the game's biggest stage. It's just got to be incredible. Yeah, well, it's, 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 a, it's a luxury that's reserved for a select few. Right. And um, I, 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 I don't want people to take this and go, well, look, I want to say to you, anything is possible. You're looking at the, the proof that anything is possible. <laughs> but I, I want to say to you, it's highly improbable because, there, you know, nowadays there are just so many talented people around. But I know this for certain. If you work hard and you invest yourself in a goal and you make the requisite sacrifices, now those are real sacrifices. I mean, I moved my wife from the other side of the world over here. And that was a big sacrifice. And if you make the sacrifices and you, you do the right thing and you get one or two breaks, you know, th good things happen. But they happen because of the United States. You know, things are possible over here. You know, if I was living in South Africa, I don't think we'd be where I am right now. I'm, I'm pretty confident that would, that would be the case, despite whether tra Trevor won or not. So, so it's, it's a lot of good fortune. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of sacrifice. Um, and, and it's the fact that, We've had a lot of support, and, and, and we're in an industry over here in America where anything is essentially possible. Jack, I'm quickly learning that Mark Immelman is the epitome of the American dream. This is really amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's, it's tried. That, that, it's tried. Everyone sort of says that. Um, and I know a lot of folks are watching this going, oh, please, man, whatever. I, that's an eye roll um, moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's no. It's, uh, and folks are like, oh, you know, it's not the same for everybody. Uh, I can tell you as an immigrant coming in here, it's not the same for everybody. And yeah, my name rhymes with a master's champion and that sort of put me on the front foot a little bit, but it's still, no one hands it to you. You know, you've got to go, get out there and get it. And, and I've, I've been fortunate to be around so many people from Columbus that do the very same thing. They might just not have a voice in sport like I do. Uh, like you look at what you guys are doing. So um, it's, it's, as I said, it's improbable, but possible. And if you keep the faith and you keep the sacrifice up and you work hard, you, you never know. Because I know this for certain, being in broadcast now as you guys are, with the World Wide Web, you never know who's listening. And that's how I got into broadcast. Someone heard me and the rest was history. Really amazing. I think it's a story that, make, you know, is undeniable, man. It's undeniable, you know, where you've come from and where you are now.
Am I making you cry? <laughs> no, 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 no. The allergies are just kicking in, kicking I'm in real hard in the studio. You're I'm fine. Not, You're I'm fine. not gonna tell you that I don't have goosebumps right now. Just saying. <laughs> uh, so going back to your um, duties over at CSU, what is your proudest moment so far as the director of golf over at Columbus State? Well, this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but, you know, watching kids graduate, mm. uh, watching teams win, that's still, I get a thrill out of that. I mean, just two weeks ago, we won our home event, the uh, Cougar Invitational presented by Aflac. And that was that was as thrilling for me as, you know, calling a major championship um, because it's super, super special. But I would say that opening of the key golf facility, that that's that's well up there. You know, that was... That was the stuff of which dreams are made, and and it proved to me what what happens in Columbus. You know, if people get behind stuff, stuff moves in Columbus, and and so the between kids winning, kids graduating, you know, the regular coach stuff, that facility opening up was a pretty special day. What's it like for you, coach, to see things come back slowly to normal, especially on the golf course? We have patrons coming back to Augusta National, it looks like uh, we heard from Fred Ridley that he wants full participation, full like full mm. fans to come back next year. It looks like more golf courses and even more fans can come out to CSU stuff. Just how, how nice is that to see normalcy slowly make its way back onto the golf course? Yeah, you know, I, I, Rick, I, I, I go bigger than golf on this one, and I think it's just nice to have, you know, what, what, whatever your idea of normal is begin to come back. Um, given what everyone and everything has gone through over the last 12, 14, 15 months, whatever it's been. So I, I think from that sort of 36,000-foot view, it's nice to see um, what we sort of remember. Now, I don't think it'll ever be the same again, um, to be truthful, um, but it's, it's, it's nice to see the fans back. It's nice to see the patrons back. It, it's certainly nice for golf to be back. It's nice to see broadcast sports on television, it's it's nice to you know living in the state of Georgia because I get to travel around some and I've got to tell you the other states that are not like ours you know with in terms of some of the freedoms that we have with going out and not wearing masks and going to schools and stuff like that so so from that point of view it's it's nice to see things sort of trending in the right direction right now so that that's the thing that heartens me the most. Right, got it. So one thing of, that I want to know from you is you've played at places all around the world. Mm-hmm. What course it has just, like, this is, like, if you had one course you had you were going to play on for the rest of your life, what course would it be? Well, that's a good, that's a good question because the real, the real truth is, Jack, I have been to a lot of places, but I haven't played a lot of places. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because being a coach, you're going there and you're trying to get someone else to play better, isn't it? So you, <laughs> You don't have the end, your hands on the end of the rubber end of the club. Um, so I've been to some spectacular places. Um, of the places I've played, I guess I'll answer this two ways. If I had a place that I was going to play for the rest of my life, um, I'd have to probably go with Pebble Beach oh, out in California. Word. It's just majestic out there. Um, and then places I've played. I've been fortunate enough to play Augusta National, and it's as special <laughs> as people say. And... Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't mind playing that once or twice again in the future. Two uh, solid choices. Yeah, right there, really man. just like it, that's top level, man. We're talking about Pebble Beach, the site of. Well, you mini. asked me what I wanted. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean Pebble Beach is the site of many U.S. Opens and, of course, Augusta National. There are worse places to play golf. But tying exactly. it back to Augusta National, uh, one of the coolest things, I think, is the Champions Dinner. Um, mm-hmm. So 
for Trevor to bring on South African cuisine. How cool was that? And did the cooks get it right? Apparently they did. No, I didn't get to go. So I was operating under Trevor's. (laughs) But thankfully, at that stage, I was teaching Larry Myers. And so the following morning on the practice uh, area, Larry was out there early working on his game. So the first question I asked was like, what was dinner like? And he said, good. You know, I I really enjoyed it. And it seemed like everyone enjoyed it. And so I was like relieved because um, (laughs) Trevor got back to the house that evening um, a little later. And so he was a bit tired. He had to get out and practice. So we didn't talk much. So, uh, you know, Trevor's thing apparently went off very well. I can only imagine the conversations there. Um, I mean, what a fraternity of people to be around, to go and enjoy dinner uh, once every uh, year on a Tuesday evening. So it, 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 it's, I've, I've seen by, because he's sparing with his description of what goes on, you know, it's kind of like that behind closed doors stuff that's happening right. over there. Yeah. But you can just see by his manner and his comportment and the little smile in the corner of his uh, mouth that you know it's special and um he he enjoys it he looks forward to it they all do and uh from what i understand i texted him late last night and i was like well i'm guessing your dinner was way better than mine because i had (laughs) because we're in the bubble yeah and i'm in the hotel room um and he goes yeah it was pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) almost rub it in but not rubbing it at the same time yeah, so the dinner was cool, and um, Dustin, we interviewed him this morning, and he looked like he was quite giddy about the whole thing, so I'm sure he enjoyed it too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite part of what you do at Columbus State? You do so much. What's your favorite part of the job? At Columbus State? Yes. It's just working with the kids in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I, I basically went on my – pedestal a little while ago talking about sacrifice and working hard and and i'm a firm believer in the fact that if you work hard that's part of the ingredients to success and um you know being with the kids at the practice helping them prepare you know getting to watch them play once in a while is fun but but for me the big deal is uh, I, i just love the practice i love the work i love being with them i love understanding their goals i love helping them navigate their way around the challenges and the pitfalls I love um, helping them to understanding and helping them to kind of figure out exactly who they are, not just as golfers, but as people. So, so, so it's all in the preparation for me. I, I know it works. And so it, it, it holds a special place in my heart. One of the beautiful things about golf is how you can play this game pretty much at any stage of life. Is that really cool for you to see that no matter if you're just starting out, maybe under 10 years old, or even if you can mm-hmm. get up there on the senior tour that all of these guys they still have a hunger and a love for the game, and there's always something to get better at. Yeah, that's, it is cool. I mean, I'm thankful now that I have a 13-year-old daughter who's kind of gravitated to the game a little bit. There we bit go. Nice. To, to get to play, you know, just one or two or three holes with her once in a while is great fun. And then um, you're right, just getting to play the game um, for a long time is, is so cool because, you know, we've got to keep moving, right, if we want to be healthy human beings. And what a way to... You know, enjoy the outdoors, walk around a little bit, have some fun, get your competitive kicks uh, on. And uh, and it's, that's in, incidentally one of my goals is one day, God willing, I'll be able to shoot my age. Because I know a few folks, Mr. Billy Key, in fact, he had shot his age multiple times. Wow. And um, so God willing, I'll make it so I'm old enough and I'm good enough back then, whenever it might be, to uh, shoot my age because that'll be cool. That's incredible. And you, you've talked a lot, you know, so far in our um, conversation t- uh, this afternoon about the people who you've gotten 
to meet and the people you've gotten to work with and you know not only in Columbus but beyond you know who mm-hmm. would you say would be the most interesting person that you've had the opportunity to you know work with and you know spend some time with well work with goodness gracious uh, <laughs> well spend some time i mean those are I, I i'm sort of trying to separate those two in my head because i've spent time with a lot of folks but but working with folks i mean this is going to sound kind of obnoxious but um how about I throw Jim Nance at you? I had wow. a feeling you, I had a feeling you was going to say that. I, I, I had I mean, a feeling you was going to say that when you I just come out swinging. Guy, That's this awesome. This guy's like the doyen of sports announcing, and he's the most down to earth, gracious, nice man you would ever meet. Wow! And um, he's just such a pro at what he does, and he's just been so good to me. And um, he's just a thoughtful, very talented, very down to earth human being. And so, from that point of view, um, I love spending time with him. Um, and he's just so free with advice and counsel and so easy with a story too. I mean, you go to a dinner with Jim Nance and you don't have to say a word for the evening because he'll keep you thoroughly entertained as you can imagine, because he's like a professional storyteller. So I'd say, I'd say Jim Nance is at the top of the list. Wow. Sure. I mean, the, 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 it's ma- Jim Nance. It's Jim, exactly. It's Jim Nance. The guy, the guy just called the national championship game and now he's going straight to Augusta national. Some people have this to is, live that life. This is, this is Jim Nance. The following morning, he arrived in Augusta. That's and crazy. I bumped into him in the television compound. And I was like, Jim, how are you? You must be tired. And he looked at me, and he didn't even answer my question. He walks up to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, it's so good to see you, my friend. And I was like, I felt like a million dollars. I mean, this is the guy. <laughs> just, yeah, think about it. This is what this guy's called, what he's done. He's a Hall of Famer. He's just called the National Championship game. And he's jetted into Columbus, uh, Augusta, Georgia, and he's like, "Hey, good to see you." And I was like, "Well, well thanks, I appreciate <laughs> you very much." Just incredible. That's, that's really, really awesome. I mean, my God, you would imagine like I'll, I'll be kind of grumpy, like don't talk to me unless I've had three cups of coffee at that point. But <laughs> for him to be that gracious is really gr- refreshing to hear. Honestly, man, mm. I mean, it's just Jim Nance. Man. What, 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 what more can Jim you say? Nance. What more can you say? <laughs> it's Jim bleeping Nance. That's all you need to say. Exactly. Um, but uh, Coach. As far as the PGA Tour goes, are, are there guys on, a, I guess, on a macro scale that you're, you're really looking forward to to have a big year? We know that like the Bryson DeChambeau's are kind of rising up there, but you have guys like Justin Thomas and all that. Is there a guy that that's kind of a hidden gem that you're looking forward to having a big year? Well, there are lots of hidden gems. I, I would say for me personally, I would just, I would give anything <clears throat> for Rory McIlroy to join the five guys who've had career Grand yes. Slams. And, and for Rory to get his masters, to get his green jacket, he's been so close a few times, and just to get the monkey off his back. I mean, it's hard yeah. to, it's kind of crazy to say, but this guy, he's Hall of Fame bound. Mm-hmm. He's got more money than you, than you could ever dream about having. The guy's, he's got a talent from God, and he's, he's got the sticking point, which is a green jacket and winning the masters. So uh, from the macro scale over the year, you know, I think there's, two, there's, there's a whole bunch of storylines that are swimming around in my head. But right in the top of my brain right now, I'm like, please, Rory, get your green jacket. Let, let's let's get that out of the way, and then we'll get back to business. But but in terms of the majors, there's some great venues this year. I mean, the Players' Championship a couple months or a month or so ago was great in uh, Punta Vedra Beach and obviously Augusta, Georgia. But the PGA Championships in Kiowa Island, which is going to be awesome to have professional golf in the south. And then from there, you know, there's just so many great events, and it's such a big, long season that um, – there's, there's going to be multiple storylines, and I think at the end of it, um, 
you know, if there's a Ryder Cup year too. So yeah, that's at the yeah. end of the whole journey. So it's, it, it, there's a lot to look forward to. So as a commentator, you know, you get to go all over the place. Now, obviously you get to, you know, do the Masters in Augusta. So we won't count that here. <laughs> but as far as, you know, where you've gone to cover the game of golf, you know, what course just kind of sticks out or what tournament just sticks out is like, you know, see it on the calendar. This is where I want to go. Mm. You know, the, the players' championships um, at TPC Sawgrass is great. Um, Pebble Beach is fantastic. Uh, Riviera in Los Angeles is unreal. I mean, all the West Coast swing is great. Um, but then you have events like uh, Jack Nicholas's event, the Memorial in Mirfield Village. That's tremendous. Um, Colonial is always special because of my affinity to Ben Hogan. Um, Quail Hollow in North Carolina, where they have the Wells Fargo event and they're having the President's Cup next year is a great stop. I mean, they're, they're just all over the place. But, but one that I've sort of circled a little bit is the final, pardon me, the first event of this year's uh, FedEx Cup playoffs. And that's at Liberty National, which is, I mean, basically on the shores of the Hudson River. And you look over the Statue of Liberty. Wow, wow. It's called Liberty National. And so anytime you go to New York City, it's cool, you know. So yeah. so, so that one's a favorite. And a couple of years ago, um, my eldest, I was talking about Isabel, she had, um, I don't know, maybe her 12th birthday or something. And we had a daddy-daughter trip where we flew up together and she spent some time. And, you know, she was my spotter. Sometimes when she's not in school, she comes on the course and, you know, sort of drives the car or gets me yardages or whatever. And so we had a day, dinner date in New York City. And so that's, I've got fun memories of New York. So that one's going to be fun. To, to, have, to have that experience. I mean, golf has also been so ingrained in your family. What is it <laughs> yeah. for you to see, like, you mentioned that your daughter's kind of gradually getting towards the game. For her to, to, to let's say if she makes a career out of this, how exciting would that be for you? And I, I guess also on the back end of that, how do you like where the women's game is going? Women's game is great. My goodness gracious. These ladies are so talented. Um, in terms of Isabel getting into professional golf, if it happens, tremendous. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this much. <laughs> I, again, credit my wife, Tracy, for this. For the longest time, we lived on Camille Drive, and I was teaching a lot of professional golfers right then. And we had a small little house, house close to Hardaway. And a number of the golfers would come into town to work on their games with me. And these are all mini tour guys trying to make it. And so money's a bit tight, so they would stay with us. And an evening dinner time um, and a glass of wine or two would quickly turn into them just unloading about their struggles and stuff. Wow. And Tracy dubbed it the crying couch because we had multiple professional golfers on our couch crying because the challenge of it all is just so demanding. And, 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 and all the glitz and glamour you see on television, that's just a very small percentage of it. Sure. So if Isabel gets into golf fantastic that's what she uh, that's what she will want to do i won't push her mm. um but i will prepare her for what will be ch a challenge and if she makes it to the highest level well awesome um it'll be hard for me to contain myself um <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll let the future sort of be there right now i'm just i'm just jacked that she's into golf and enjoying some of it absolutely that's just you know we hold the best for her absolutely you know, you know what wherever that goes I did not have the attention span or the patience on myself to, to pay attention to the golf. So she's already way mature than I was back then and probably am now. So that's awesome. <laughs> Valid point on both yeah. fronts. <laughs> so I, I think you're selling yourself short, short golf is golf. You got to stick in a ball. You get the ball in the hole. Go do your thing. I, I think folks make a bigger deal of golf than what it is. 
um, just go and have fun, and you never know. It, you never. I I did not know I was going to turn into a golf guy. I really didn't. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That actually kind of went to my next question. You know, you didn't start playing golf. You know, you you, you talked about your days playing rugby. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you you know, for somebody who you know maybe looking at it as you know like maybe even like a hobby sport. You know. What would you tell them, you know, how would you, you know, maybe for somebody like me who's in their late 20s, you know, that, you know, his, ne- you know, has always been kind of intrigued by it, but never, you know, wanted to pull the trigger. You know, how would you tell them to get about it? You know, we, we've told everybody about how the kids can get into it, but how can, you know, maybe the adults get into it? Well, um, for if well, this podcast is local, so for the local folks, I'd say, hey, grab your buds, get yourself a cooler of whatever your favorite beverage is. There you go. <laughs> Go out to Bull Creek and pay your green fees and go and have a little fun. Jump on a golf cart, have a few drinks, just get some time outside and have some fun with it. And, um, you know, you'll probably hit one or two good shots that, that would bring you back and probably hit a few shots that make you nuts. <laughs> if you're out there having a good time, it's it's a great way to start. Um, Bull Creek, Oxbow, whatever the case might be, even if you just go to Godwin Creek, but but take a cooler along and have make make an event out of it. With a lot of the juniors I teach, I always try and make it experiential. Mm. And so after golf, you know, we have like an ice cream date or something like that. So it's more than just the grind of the golf of it because golf can be difficult. So I would sort of say just, you know, go and be boys, you know, go and be girls, whatever, wherever you are listening to this thing, get your cooler and go. The cooler <laughs> is going to help me. The cooler yeah. will help me with those stupid shots that I know I will be hitting. So it's I, swing oil. You know <laughs> that. It's, it's oil for your golf swing. <laughs> I love that. One, I love that approach to it. And two, Rex, please don't be like the guy in Happy Gilmore that knocked a guy out of the window. Oh, so don't do that. Got it. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Uh, Coach, this game has given you guys so much, and you're giving so much back to the game. How do you like where, like, well, I guess what's next for you? Do you want to ride this uh, journey as an analyst and coach as long as possible? I mean, you, as you said, a charmed life, one touch by God, and we're just so impressed by your perspective as well to stay humble and to keep giving back to the game. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's good to be with you guys. It's it's great to be a part of Columbus. I mean, it's part of our fabric as a family right now. And and you're right, golf has been good. And as far as the future goes, heck, we'll we'll, we'll just put. I, I'm trying my best right now to keep my mind where my feet are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My wife challenges me to do this a bunch because you know between college coaching and the other stuff I do. I don't want to have my mind wander. So right now we're here and tomorrow we'll be there and we'll see, we'll see what the future holds. But right now I'm, I'm thankful to be where we are. <clears throat> so coach, we all, we always have a saying here on the show as we start to get ready to wrap things up, you know, what more, you know, what do you want to see from the sport itself as we kind of move towards a new generation, you know, you know, Guys in, you know, the generation that me and Rex grew up in, you know, you could mm-hmm. probably characterize it as the Tiger and Phil generation. Very you know, so. as we move into the next generation, you know, what do you what do you hope to see as we, you know, move forward? Well, I think for golf, um, just more people playing, you know, more diverse groups of folks playing the game. You know, let, let's let's not be let's let's not let's try and keep golf from being stereotyped into just a certain kind of people that are playing it. That's, that's not the case. Um, I've been around the world and people all over the world are playing the game. In fact, a good friend of mine is a guy called Eric Eric Anders Lang. He's an awesome filmmaker. He travels to all remote parts of the world to tell golf stories. 
and um, golf is all over the place and you don't have to be some person that lives on one side of town to play golf let's 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 grow let's 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 get more people into the game it's a great way to learn it's a great way to develop character it's a great way to you know, learn responsibility um, it's a great way to learn about sacrifice and and grind and trials and success and all that sort of stuff so heck i just more people play men ladies kids um whatever more folks in the game would be awesome we've had a few laughs we've been inspired and we've had way more perspective and learned so much than i ever expected coach <laughs> immelman thank you thank you thank you so much for joining us it's good to be with you guys i appreciate the invitation sorry i messed you around with the scheduling but i was glad we could do this hey no 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 no. you, you obviously have stuff to work on it's totally fine jack any final thoughts well you forgot the one important question the most important question in the entire show rex go for it is that so we have a tradition ah, here yeah, on, my bad. on your sidelines, Mark, where who would you like to see us interview with the caveat that if you, if you, if we get them, you got to help us get them. You have a little bit of pull up there. So, <laughs> so, we, we, so. we just need a little bit of help. Cause like if we ask, so once old person is like, Hey, look, coach Illman told us to, told us to ask you and we can send you his way. Exactly. Just saying. So who would you want to see us interview next? Well, I don't know who you guys have interviewed. We have interviewed Scott Brand, who is with the Columbus River, River Dragons, Dragons. and mm -hmm. we've interviewed Leah, Leah Gingrey. Gingrey. And now you have been added to that illustrious list. Yeah, you are the third person. You're the third person. So, who you got for us? I swear, if he says Jim Nance, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep this close to home. We have got a we've got a fascinating coaching staff okay. who do great work at Columbus State University. And I mean, there's so many great coaches, uh, Jay Antlick, Matt Hauser, you know, Coach Robert Moore, right, right. Uh, Brad Huskisson, Greg Appleton. But uh, people need to pay attention to what Evan Isaacs is doing over there with the tennis team. And, uh, and Evan is, you know, he and I sort of started at Columbus State around the same time. And um, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of everything he's done. I'm so proud of the teams he's putting out. I mean, they are powerhouse right now. Really and very are, few yes. folks know about it. So uh, I think you should keep it close to the let, let's keep it inside the community for a while i think evan would be a good idea you know what and we have a tennis guy on this podcast now don't we jack as a former tennis player <laughs> i can come i can 1000 percent dig that yeah so. man, it's a, i i would like to see you shine a light on everyone at columbus state university they're doing great work uh, the, the coaches have done awesome stuff there during the pandemic our athletic director todd reeser and the uh, administration yes. have supported us through a challenging time and and CSU just puts out winning teams, season in and season out. Yes, and, they do. And uh -huh. they're doing so despite you know a lot of challenges. So I'm, I'm proud to be a part of them. And and we need to shine lights on those guys and girls. They're doing great work. Building champions and making even better people. Absolutely, Absolutely. agree with that. Coach and thank you so much for joining us. We are going to wrap this up now. Thank you again. This has been absolutely amazing. I've just I, the one thing that I took away from that, Jack, is the whole thing about it's improbable but not impossible. Just exactly. what a wonderful message from that. Uh, any other final thoughts, Jack? I'm just blown away with the story of Coach and just like you said, improbable but not impossible. And you know, just putting your mind to it and just how broad the great game of golf is. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know, you know that anybody anybody can play the game, and you know, growing the game, and that's kind of you know a big part of what Coach Immelman does, and a big part of what a lot of people are trying to do. And you know, we learn more about what some more people in town are trying to do as well. Well, Dylan, go ahead and play that wrap up music, man. We're about to get people up out of here, y'all. Thank you so much again for joining us right here on the On Your Sidelines podcast. We do this every other Tuesday. 
streaming at 3 p.m. But Jack, where can they find us on social media? Yes, sir. You can follow Rex at WRBO Rex Castillo on Facebook, Rex Castillo TV on Twitter. You can follow myself at Jay Patterson TV on Twitter, WRBO Jack Patterson on Facebook. Make sure you follow the News 3 Sports team as well on Twitter and Facebook. Sexy Rexy, take us home. Well, guys, again, you can check out all these episodes on WRBL.com. We'll have these episodes up there for you. You can watch the full thing right there. Of course, you can always check us out eventually on Audible, Spotify, and on your Apple Podcasts. Again, the On Your Sidelines podcast, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. every other Tuesday. We'll have more guests like Coach Immelman. Well, we got to go down the coaching roster at CSU because he's going to be here a while. We're going to be here for a minute, but he's absolutely right. Building champions, even better people, and they're doing this through the pandemic, heading into the future. And of course, if we got a tennis guy, I think I got the right co-host to talk about tennis. And of course, he's a CSU Cougar. So, Jack, are you ready for, for that interview coming up? Yeah, I think we got to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. Y'all, thank you again so much. And we'll see you right here on your sideline.